We're going to be returning to the book of Proverbs tonight, Proverbs chapter 18. Uh, Tonight we're uh, uh, in a brief series of messages I've called Holding On for Dear Life because we're going to be looking in the book of Proverbs at some of the passages that uh, mention your life, issues relating to our life. And uh, we're going to be in Proverbs 18, 21 tonight. The Bible says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Holding on for dear life and asking the question tonight, answering it, it really is, it really is life or death. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know, James, I guess, gave to us the classic example or passage uh, on the tongue. He said the tongue is a, a small member, and it's really not very large, and yet it can cause a lot of trouble just in what you say. I'll probably give you an illustration or two that <laughs> tonight before that's all over with, but uh, uh, death and life, the Bible says, are in the power of the tongue. Uh, James called it a fire, and of course it doesn't take much of a fire to get a huge, huge fire going. And uh, he also said that the tongue is set on fire of hell. Uh, That's sobering, isn't it? Death and life, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Uh, We have our series tonight, Holding On for Dear Life, based on Proverbs 4.13. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. And so the writer gives to us the truth of God as something that we need to hold on for dear life. And one of the things then that we need to hold on for dear life is the power of the tongue. Life and death, death and life, are in the power of the tongue. Now, I have no idea how such things are, are counted. But according to our Google experts, and I did Google this, uh, the average person speaks about 700 times a day. About 700 times a day, average person, you speak. With those 700 utterances a day, Google says that women usually speak about 20,000 words a day with those 700 times that they speak. Men, on average, speak about 7,000 words a day. And all the men are grinning and all the women are frowning. I told you I'd get in trouble. Amen. Amen. Thank you. That's, uh, I'm not even done yet. That's just Google. That's just Google. I don't know how they'd count such a thing. And I don't know. I've heard statistics like that a lot. Uh, If it's true, though, if it's true, I mean, I do understand. My wife, for example, she works and she talks on the phone all day long. So uh, by the time she comes home at night, she's pretty well talked up her 20,000 words a day. And uh, I talk to people all day long. By the time I get home at night, I pretty much talked up my 7,000 words a day, especially on Sunday. I figure on Sunday, I probably maybe get 20. I don't know how many I get in on Sunday. A bunch. A bunch. So that kind of explains then when we get home at night is how are you? Fine. How was work? Okay. You know, what do you want for supper? I don't know. Uh, Whatever. And uh, I'm going to bed. Good night. You know, know, that's uh, that's how it goes a lot of times in our world, isn't it, hon? I mean, it is. That's just the way we just talked out time we get home. 
Uh, one man was quoted as having said that his wife talked about 60 miles an hour with occasional gust up to 120. <laughs> He's dead now. <laughs> no, 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 she didn't kill him. He died of natural causes as far as I know. But uh, maybe he died a long-suffering death. I don't know. <clears throat> The, sto the whole story, though, of humanity is uh, given to us in words. God's redemptive purpose for us begins with the word of God. God did what he said. Let there be light. And there was light. And almost all of the creation, God spoke into existence. Uh, with the exception, of course, of humanity, God formed mankind out of the dust of the earth. And so we, we know that uh, humanity is, is given a, a very special place in God's purpose. Um, Simon Peter would talk about this in 2 Peter chapter 3 uh, when he said that this they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water. And all we need to see tonight from that passage is that Simon Peter says that the, the creation, all the heavens, all the earth, uh, was by the word of God. God spoke it and it became. We see examples of that throughout the scripture when the disciples were out in the boat, when Jesus had sent them across uh, to the Sea of Galilee, he'd remained behind. And the Bible says he spoke to the storm and said, Peace, be still. Much like you and I would say to a little child, be still, be quiet. And that's the way he spoke to the storm. After all, it was his storm. Amen. I mean, that's, he could uh, tell it to do something, and it did. He proved it was his storm. When he shut it down, peace, be still, and it was still. Now, he spat on the ground and made mud and put it in a man's eye and healed him. But most of his miracles, when you think about it, were done by the speaking of words. He would speak, and it would happen. We're introduced to the whole concept of justification by faith with Abraham. Abraham believed God. What did God do? God told him. God spoke to him. He believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness, and the same is true of all of us. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The Word of God. We hear it. We respond to it. We believe it. That's how all of us are saved. Death and life, then, uh, the Proverbs tell us, is in the power of the tongue. That's not just an Old Testament thing. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29 puts it this way. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. The word corrupt has to do with decay, something that is rotting or decaying away. Uh, that's why we uh, pay particular attention when the Bible says, He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap what? Corruption, decay. That's what the flesh has. Uh, corruption and decay. Uh, that's all the flesh can give. And so he tells us, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. That is, that we don't talk to people in a way that is going to produce corruption, that is going to cause death in their life, or that is going to cause them to uh, go into a process of decay. We don't want to hurt people. We don't want to speak corrupting, killing, defiling, 
rotting words. Instead, we speak only the words that are good, he said, only the words that are for necessary edification, and only the words that may impart grace to the hearers. Now, I could really stop there. I'm not going to, but I could stop there tonight, and we'd have a great message. Because if all of us could learn and live by that simple rule, I'm only going to speak something that is good. I'm not going to say bad stuff to anybody or about anybody anymore. I'm only going to speak what is good. And even when it's good stuff, I'm only going to speak things then that I think actually might be helpful, that would edify and encourage other people, and only words that might impart grace to those who hear. Be a good time to remind us tonight that Jesus told us we're going to give an account for every idle word we speak. I'm not sure what an idle word is. Uh, I, I honestly don't have uh, uh, an accurate definition for that. I mean, I know what it means. What is idle word? It means idle. It means it's not accomplishing anything. It's worthless. Uh, doesn't accomplish much. And uh, we'll all have to be honest that we speak a lot of things that really don't matter and don't accomplish much. We'll give an account then for every idle word that we speak. Wow. So tonight, how can we speak words of grace? How can we speak words that don't corrupt, but instead speak words that are good? And if we understand then that this is really a matter of life and death, that what we say can actually be a matter of life and death to somebody else. We read about that in the news all the time. About somebody who was told something, somebody that got, was a target on social media and maybe ended up taking their life because of things that people said. Or that person who says something in the wrong place and it cost them their life. It happens. Death and life, literally, in the power of the tongue and the Bible telling us then to speak gracious words. So I've got three things for you tonight. Uh, first of all, gracious words are true words. Gracious words are true words. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 5 says, Open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Both of those proverbs describe something that would happen uh, when someone rebukes us or maybe speaks hard truth in our life. And the Bible tells us that it is faithful, it is a faithful friend then who can tell us the truth. Even though they know that the truth may be painful. Now we say we love the truth and we hate lies, but the fact is there's a lot of truth that's hard for us to hear. And that's true in my life. It's true in your life. It's true, uh, you say, it, well, it's that way with my neighbor. Uh, listen, it's that way with our wife and our husband and our kids and it's, it's our brothers and sisters and our fellow church members. It's true with the people we work with. There's a lot of truth that's hard to say. 
But the Bible tells us now, faithful are the wounds of a friend. A real friend will tell somebody the truth, even though you know it's going to hurt them. Now, we might say, well, uh, you know, they're my friend. I don't want to hurt them. If they're your friend, <laughs> and you know it. I mean, if they got a black widow spider in their house, you need to tell them, hey, you got a black widow spider in your house. Oh, I'm afraid if I tell them they got a spider, they'll be all offended because I think their house is dirty. It don't matter. They got a black widow spider in their house. Some of you are getting the heebie-jeebies just because I mentioned that. Spider. Uh, you should have been up here when we washed the front of this church. There was a lot of black widow spiders come out of up there. I don't know why. But uh, don't get all offended, okay? But it did happen. We killed them. Uh, sent them on to glory. or <laughs> We put them out of their misery or something. Um, it is a faithful friend who can tell you the truth, even though they know that it might hurt. The important thing to notice, I think, uh, about other than the idea of telling the truth and speaking the truth, is that faithful are the wounds of a friend. Uh, there's a lot of things, folk, that you almost have to hear from somebody that you know loves you and cares about you. Okay? They have a relationship with you. You know they care about you. You're friends, and you know it. And they've demonstrated that relationship with you. They've demonstrated their love for you. And it is then, really, and only then, that they can tell you that hard stuff that's going to be hard for you to hear. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. We know about that. Gracious words, then, are true words, even when they're hard. But they come to us because we have a relationship. We have relationship capital to expend. We have invested in the life of somebody else. They know we care about them. They know we love them. And therefore, those wounds, even though they come, they are faithful. Um, <clears throat> I remember a, a person at another church years ago uh, they got very upset at me and uh, upset en at, enough at me that, that uh, they wrote me a letter and uh, uh, put all their feelings down. And they actually signed it. That's what makes it, I guess, stand out in my mind. You get a lot of unsigned letters. I always like Charles Spurgeon response to that. He walked up to the pulpit one day. They said in Metropolitan Tabernacle and somebody had sent him an anonymous letter. It was there. He opened it up. just had one word on it, fool. And he held it up to the congregation. He said, I've received many, many letters without signatures, but this is the first time I got a signature without a letter. <laughs> I could never think that fast. I never could. But Spurgeon could. Uh, this one was signed. What made it interesting to me, among many other things and many other pastors here tonight and other spiritual leaders, maybe you've had that same kind of experience, but what made it interesting to me is that uh, for three years at that time, I had been those people's pastor, and there was never one time that they had ever spoken a word of encouragement to me. Never one time that they said, we appreciate you. Never one time they said, we love you. Never, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not making that up. Never one time. 
that they'd ever had anything complimentary to say or anything encouraging to say. But one time I missed something that they felt like I should have been there. And here came just this avalanche. You see, the Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. It's not a law, but it should be one. That before we can criticize somebody, we need to encourage them first. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And you got somebody there that you know loves you and cares about you, and they've spoken truth, good truth, not just hard truth, but good truth into your life. They've encouraged you. Those things come to you, and you understand that's faithful. Gracious words, then, are true words. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 15, 4, another great passage. A wholesome tongue is the tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Gracious words, then, he says, are wholesome words. That is, they are healthy words, and they're like a tree of life, a tree of life. The Bible often mentions uh, the figure of a tree, a tree that's planted by the waters, he said, that brings forth its fruit in its season. Because it's planted by the water, it can go through a drought, but there, there's still water there, and it can still be fruitful, even though it's gone through some tough times. Now, that tree of life, then, that you find fruit on, that's dependable, uh, man, when you're really hungry, and there's something for you, a tree of life. And, of course, it was a tree of life that was placed in the garden. Something that's life-giving. And that's what he's talking about. A wholesome tongue is something that gives us life. And in a way, that's uh, uh, one of the great things that encouragement does for us. Uh, it gives us life. I don't think it's possible for us to overestimate tonight the struggles that people have all around us and all over the world. People hurt. I mean hurt. They're carrying deep hurts all the time. And we never know. I can't even tell looking out over this congregation tonight. I see you all out there mostly smiling. You look good. You dress good. And, but I have no idea what's really going on in your life. But I know one thing. Most of us are carrying around a lot of burdens and a lot of hurts and a whole lot of insecurity. That's what amazes me when you talk to people. They just uh, There's so much insecurity in our world. People just don't have a lot of confidence in themselves. And that's how that our speech then can make an incredible difference. The Bible says wholesome, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. You never know where a well-spoken word of encouragement is going to make somebody feel like, hey, I can keep going. I can keep moving. I, I, I can get through this. Some person then who maybe doubts their abilities, and all of a sudden somebody has told them, you know, I, I believe you can do this. And man, that's wonderful. You know what it's like when you're a kid growing up and your dad says, good job. Oh, I'm proud of you. Do you know how great that is? When somebody that you trust, that teacher who speaks to you and said, you can do this. You can do this. Or maybe they're disappointed in you and they say, you know, you can do better than this. I've seen you do great work in the past. What can I do to help you? You may think, well, you know, if I, if I brag on people like that all the time and encourage them like that, well, they'll get the big head. Uh, listen, uh, I think they're a whole lot more inclined to be going in the other direction. 
And they've got such a dim view of life and such a beat down maybe view of their self and where they are that oh, a wholesome uh, word can be such a tree of life to them. But the opposite is also true. Perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. It like it tears their soul apart. It leaves a big old hole in their soul. We don't want to have that perverse kind of tongue. We want to be that tree of life, don't we? The world has got enough folks out there blowing holes in each other right now. God help us to be the kind of people who have wholesome words and can speak encouragement to others. Uh, so what are the kind of things that are perverse that, that blow holes in people's souls uh, because it's a breach in the spirit? Uh, well, gossip is one of those. <laughs> You know, gossip is always without grace. Always. If the Bible says, let your words be always uh, with grace, well, gossip never has grace. Uh, he that goeth about, Proverbs 20, 19, he that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets. Therefore, meddle not with him that flattereth with his, with his lips. Uh, I like the way the Holman Christian version put that. Uh, the one who reveals secrets is a constant gossip. Avoid someone with a big mouth. Amen. <laughs> now that's uh, about as plain as it gets. Um, the one who reveals secrets, they go about as a talebearer. That person that comes to you telling, hey, so-and-so said this about you. Did you hear? I'd let, let this. And you know something. You know that person is going to go straight to somebody else and tell them what you said. That's how a talebearer works. That's how a, a gossip works. They reveal secrets. Therefore, don't hang around, the Proverbs say. Avoid someone with a big mouth. Gossip. Um, I've been your pastor now for four years. And uh, soon, uh, <laughs> it'll be five years before you know it. And uh, one thing that I'm very thankful for is that we're not a church full of gossips. I'm thankful for that. Don't start. <laughs> okay? Don't start. If you're gossip, so you're being very sneaky about it because I hadn't heard you doing it. And, uh, so don't start. Don't start. Don't be the tail bearer that needs to be avoided. Gossip is always without grace. Sometimes we speak sharp words, but not gracious words. Proverbs 12, 18. There's one who speaks like the piercings of a sword. Wow. But the tongue of the wise promotes health. You know how you speak sharp words like the piercing of a sword? That's what we do even when we're telling the truth. When we feel the need for retribution. When we're feeling the need of rep retribution, I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell them. Ah, no, no, no. I'm going to tell them. And you do. You know that feeling. I know it too. And when we've got that feeling in our heart, it comes out in our words. And they're going to be as sharp as a sword. They're going to cut. And we intend them to cut. Oh, I'm just telling the truth. Yeah, but you're telling the truth in retribution and your words are going to be cutting words. So... What we need to do then when we're feeling those uh, cutting feelings and we just want to let somebody have it and cut into pieces, that's a good time to 
like Archie Bunker used to say, stifle ourselves. That's a good time to hold it in and not say it. Until we can say it. You say, well, it's the truth and it needs to be told. Okay. But make sure those feelings of retribution are gone. Let them settle down. Let them calm down. And uh, then our words will not be like the piercings of a sword, but they can be the tongue of the wise that promotes health. Um, I do pretty good with this when it comes to writing. I can't even begin to tell you how many emails that I've written that get the delete button. It makes me feel better to have written them out, I guess, but uh, in the end, I just deleted them. That's not going to work. Facebook posts, yeah, millions of them, I guess, uh, back when I was uh, active on Facebook. I, I let some of them sneak through that probably shouldn't have, but I, I tried my best. I'd write them out, and I've done that over and over again over the course of my life. I do okay when it's writing, but you know, once words are spoken, they can't be called back. No more than you can unsend once you hit the send button. They're gone. And they can't be called back. So we need to sometimes just hold on to those things when we're wanting to speak and we're wanting to go out with the piercings of a sword and let somebody have it. No. Uh, let's wait until we can speak with wisdom, with the desire to promote health, to help somebody and not hurt. Lastly tonight, gracious words then are words of encouragement. Verse 20 of Proverbs chapter 4, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them. They are life unto those that find them. And health to all their flesh. Proverbs 10 and 11, The mouth of the righteous is a well, a spring of life but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Uh, when the psalmist is, are, is talking in Proverbs chapter 4 uh, about how that these words are life unto those that find them, he's talking about God's words, God's word, God's truth. And uh, the mouth of the righteous, uh, because they are speaking God's truth, is a well of life. You see, we have the opportunity as God's people because we know the Word of God. We can therefore speak the Word of God. And when we speak the Word of God, if God is God and He is, and if the Bible is His Word and it is, then when we speak the Word of God, we are speaking the ultimate reality. We're speaking the truth, the real truth, in whatever situation that is. Uh, it's, it's like that gospel song that uh, is, is so popular. You hear so much about how that people say one thing, but God says something else. And you say, God, that I'm loved when, when I don't feel loved. Uh, but if God says that we are loved, then you know what? That is the ultimate reality. We are loved. We are his children. God is our God. God does love us. He does care for us. We are created in his image. And so we can then therefore speak the ultimate truth into other people's lives because we can speak to them the truth of God's Word. And that is because it's the ultimate truth and because it comes from God is the ultimate encouragement. All of us struggle. I say all of us do. That's a big statement. I struggle. 
And I see a lot of other people struggle too. Okay? I'll put it that way. With the idea that somebody has done something that defines them then for the rest of their life. Oh, that person's a thief. You ever said that? They might be a thief. They they might have stolen once, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be a thief for the rest of their life. I know the God who can change people. We're in the business of seeing people change. And so before we bring that out and, and, and dump that load on somebody, well, they're a thief. They're a liar. Well, if you call me a liar tonight, I'd have to admit there's been some times in my life that I have been less than truthful. There have been. But that doesn't mean that's what I am today. You understand? God's truth, you see, is the ultimate reality. Aren't you glad that sin doesn't get the last word? That failure doesn't get the last word? That we don't have to stay for the rest of our life the man or the woman that we were when we were 16 years old. We don't have to let that act define us for the rest of our life. You say, well, yeah, but there's people that will never get over it. You're probably right. And I say that not just because I'm just a thinking kind of a guy and that's my opinion. I say that because of what happened to Paul the Apostle. There were people who called him a murderer for the rest of his life. God had changed him. God had saved him. Called him into the ministry. Not just any ministry. Made him an apostle. Not just any apostle, but the chief of all the apostles. Planted churches all over the world. Wrote more than half of our New Testament. But there were people who never got over what he did. He struggled with that. So much so that though he longed to have a ministry with the Jewish people, God said to him, I'm going to send you far hence unto the Gentiles. Every time Paul tried to preach to Jewish peoples, he he got in a mess. But the Gentile peoples loved him. And I'm not talking necessarily about the Jewish people. Remember who it was that Paul persecuted? Jewish Christians. It was Christian people. Church people. In a way, we can sympathize with them. If it was your mama or your daddy or your grandma or your grandpa or one of your kids, you'd have a hard time getting over it too. To say, well, you know, I've messed up and people may never get over it. Yeah, that, that, that may be true. You go back to your hometown and somebody might throw up something to you that you hadn't thought about in 50 years. You remember when you did so and so and so and so? Well, actually, I hadn't thought about it in a long time, <laughs> just to be honest with you. I'm not even sure that even happened. That seems so long ago. I'm amazed you can remember that. I can't. Aren't you glad our sin and our failures don't get the last word? The ultimate reality, folk, of who we are is who we are in Jesus Christ.
And if we believe what the Bible says, then we believe that if any man is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. Old things are what? Y'all didn't say that like you mean it. Old things are what? All things are become... So as God's people, then, we have the opportunity to speak as a very well of life because we can speak God's truth into the lives of other people. That in Christ you can become a new creation, that your sin and your failures don't have the last word because God has the last word in Jesus Christ. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. I think we see that going on more and more around us every day. Let's then determine that we'll be the people who speak those beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Let's stand together.